God, take your Bibles, please, and go to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter, I'm sorry, Revelation chapter 22. Uh, <laughs> it's like, wow, man, we got to go way back there. We've been through the whole book of Genesis, believe it or not, all 50 chapters, uh, verse by verse. If you ever want to check out that series, it was real in-depth, a lot of typology, a lot of, a lot of beautiful things there. Uh, I'm excited to be in with the, the house of the Lord, and I don't say in the house of the Lord because the building is a building, but we are the house of the Lord, amen. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit, and I love getting together with my brothers and sisters in Christ to bring such joy uh, to my heart. I always look to, uh, forward to getting together in fellowship. Uh, I am excited about Genesis 22, this last chapter of Revelation 22. You know what? Let's just turn to Genesis 22 and study it. I don't know why I keep saying that. (laughs) Thank you. Um, He that corrects, uh, accepts correction is wise. Otherwise, we'd still be in Genesis 22. Genesis 22, 1 through 19, though, is about Abraham offering up Isaac, which is a picture of Christ. And that's an amazing chapter. But Revelation 22, I'm equally excited about. When I say equally, it's like that's one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible. Uh, but uh, Genesis 22. But Revelation 22 is so amazing. It's, the, it's the, you know, the Omega chapter, the last chapter of the Bible, last chapter of, of the book of Revelation. And let's look at the first few verses again, which we studied last week. Then he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of the street, on either side of the river, was the tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. I exegeted those verses, so we're not going to go into real depth in those verses because we've covered them. And then verse 3, which is what we'll look at another time, uh, there will no longer be any curse, the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his bondservants will serve him. There's a lot to be said about this because we're not sitting on clouds playing, you know, harps, you know, eating bonbons or whatever the pictures are that Satan wants to draw up as chubby little bonbon eating cherubim angels, which by the way, they say they're like cherubs. They're not cherubs. Cherubs have four faces. You would trip out if you saw a cherub. But we're actually serving God, but without the sweat of the brow, without any pain, just incredible joy. And the ultimate servant, is the Lord Jesus Christ, by the way. We'll get into that. And he has greater joy than anyone, it says in Hebrews chapter one. And joy comes from fulfilling the purpose that God has created you for. And God created us to serve him for eternity. I'm excited about that. I wouldn't want to sit around on a fluffy cloud playing a harp all the time. I want to do things for the Lord, amen? And I'm sure there'll be plenty of waiting in the river of life, you know? And, and drinking from it, partaking of the tree of life. And we saw that it wasn't just trees on both sides of the, of, of the uh, river of life because we see in Ezekiel, the foreshadowing of that is all kinds of trees, not just one kind of tree, all kinds of trees that make up the tree of life. Uh, so there'll be all kinds of different fruit every month. And it's just going to be mind-boggling. But I wanted to talk about go off a little bit. I just was meditating on this. I said, Lord, how can I make this more practical to really challenge you in your life today in light of this passage? And without, you know, going over everything we went over last time, I want to put your remembrance of at least this much. The river of life comes from the very throne of God, amen, Amen. and of the Lamb. And I pointed out to you the reason it says the throne of God and the Lamb is because if the Lamb was not the lamb. If Jesus Christ was not slain as the lamb of God for our sins, we could not partake of the river of life. You remember we were looking at the the Feast of Tabernacles last time? And on the eighth day of the Feast of Tabernacles, that says the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, that's when they would take water from the the river of Siloam, but I should say the pool of Siloam. There was no river in Jerusalem, right? Yet it says in the Bible that Jerusalem's river makes the heart glad. Yet Jerusalem is one of the ancient, you know, cities that's so renowned that had no river. And it's like, wait, it didn't have a river. People, well, it didn't have a river. What are you talking about? The river of the Lord that makes the heart glad. It talks about the Lord will have a river that will make the heart glad. Well, you could argue that the Mount of Olives will cleave in two, right? And there'll be a river coming out of that. Think about that. And that'll flow all the way into, which is downhill to the south to what's called the Dead Sea, and the Dead Sea will become alive. That'll be the millennial period. So there's something going on there, but it's also a, a, a prophetic, and that's a prophetic picture of that in the millennium, of the New Jerusalem, where God in the Jerusalem, remember how high that thing is? 
a river shows you it's not just all one flat level, you know? There's mountains. It talks about the mountains of the Lord over and over again, and it will flow from his mountain, and he will have the highest place, and we will be able to go to his throne. But it's because of the lamb. And they would take water from the pool of Siloam, and I'm not going to go into the depth of the geography, which I went into last time, where that water came from, because they had to import it, right? Remember, we talked about Hezekiah's, you know, aqueduct and all that stuff, and then they'd pour, but that last day, where's the water? That was part of it. And they'd sing a messianic psalm about the Messiah will come with the Holy Spirit. And on that last day, that's when Jesus said, he says he cried out. If anyone's thirsty, he said, come to me. He said, then I'll give you rivers that'll flow from your innermost beings and flow out of you. Amen. That should excite you as a believer. Man, as a Christian, he wants the rivers of life to flow from the innermost, my innermost being and just be a blessing, not only to us, but to others. That's what the water comes out of us. His water comes out of his throne to bless us. The water comes out of us so we can be a blessing to one another. Amen. And Jesus went on to say, or the Holy Spirit went on to speak, because this is in John 7, 37 through 39, that Jesus was speaking of the Holy Spirit, which he had not yet given them. And the Holy Spirit was with the disciples, but Jesus says the Holy Spirit will be in you. That's where that torrent of living water will come from. And after he rose from the dead and conquered death, because he died for our sins, when he died for our sins, there was a river, you know, of blood and water. Blood for our sins to cleanse us. The, the water coming out of his side representing the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So because the water that comes from the throne is from God and the Lamb that's not stated by accident there, we're able to partake of the river of life. And the river of life will be literal water in heaven, which will blow away. Waters. I, I wanted to do a whole thing, 10, 15 minutes excursion on water, you know, but I'm like, man, I got to get through Revelation eventually. So that's a whole, that would be, because water is such a trip, you know? I mean, you got, okay, stop, Joe. Okay. Water, water is a trip though, man. But, but water is a picture of the Holy Spirit. You know, oil is, wind is. It, it, you imagine why God used all these different pictures of the Holy Spirit, because he's God. And Jesus said, Nicodemus, you know, you, you, you know, you can tell, you know, what, what the weather's going to be like to a degree, but you can't really, he's saying, if you look at the context there. And you can't tell also how the, you know, just as you can't tell where the wind, you don't, even the weathermen mess up constantly, right? Well, this is, I thought it was supposed to rain today, you know? But it's the Holy Spirit. His workings we don't always understand, but he's at work. It's a beautiful thing. But I want to talk to you about you waiting. The Bible talks about waiting in the, the river, of God, you know, and going deeper in, at the, you know, legs and going deeper at waist and going deeper and deeper. We want to go deeper and deeper in the things of the Lord. But the neat thing is, why are there the tree of life on both sides bearing all kinds of fruit? Because they're planted by the river of life, amen? And the fruit from those trees will nourish and bless and even the leaves are for the healing of the nations. And I mentioned to you last week, healing of the nations. The nations were all resurrected. What healing is needed? Well, I've let you know that we go from glory to glory. And even when we're resurrected, yeah, we will never die. But we're still not back the way God intended us to be until we are in his very presence, amen? Basking in the light of the Father and the light of the Son and partaking of the, of the tree of life and its leaves and so forth. It's gonna be so beautiful. But right now, we call this in theology, you know, the already but not yet. We're in the kingdom, but the kingdom hasn't totally come yet, amen? And it's there already but not yet. We're waiting for more. But right now, we taste the heavenly gift. We experience Jesus. He lives in us, but we haven't yet. We still wait the resurrection and the redemption of our bodies, even though our souls have been redeemed. If we die, we go be with the Lord because we're saved by God's grace through what Christ did on the cross for us, amen? But we have, there's so much more in the here and now that I want to encourage you to partake of. And that is, God looks at you as a river, of, as a believer, that you are, in a sense, an extension of the tree of life, the ultimate tree of life, the reason we'll be able to partake of those trees of life on both sides of the river is because the ultimate tree of life is Jesus, amen? And what he did with that cross, which was a symbol in his day of guilt, of shame, of death, the worst death you could suffer. And he went there and he transformed it into the tree of life where he said, even as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness on the pole and those who looked at it were, were given life, he said, even so the son of man we lifted up right? On the cross, right? And whoever looks to him will be what? 
will be saved, will be given life. So he is, that's the ultimate tree of life. He took that which was a curse against us and he transformed it into life because that's the brilliance of our God. But by way of extension, we, the tree of life motif is used of believers in relation to the Lord. It says in Proverbs 11.30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. There's other scriptures that tie the tree of life into you, being an extension of what the Lord is doing. And fruit, man, we talked about fruit last week, and I asked some of you your favorite fruits, and, and everybody yelled out, so I couldn't even hear, but I heard a couple here and there, and I tried to, and praise God, people love, love fruit. Fruit's amazing. You know, praise God for summertime. Take advantage of it. Eat, eat more fruit, you know? Uh, really quickly, once again, because I, I thought, man, I felt bad, because People's food means a lot to them, I've found through the years, you know. <laughs> uh, name some of your favorite fruits. And if you said one that we said last week, that's fine. Fruit of the Spirit, that's the best fruit. Who said that? Who said that? That's the best fruit. Amen, Jimmy. Any other fruit? Tangible, physical fruit that will nourish your body. Kiwi. Kiwi, that's a yummy fruit, right? What's that? Mangoes. Oh, man. Mangoes. And your heritage is probably from the Caribbean, I bet, or something like that, right? Mangoes are amazing. We got mangoes last week, but they deserve a second shout out. Praise, praise you, Lord, for mangoes and kiwi. Come on, come on. What's your favorite fruit? What's that? Chili moya. Oh, man, I, no, I don't know what that is. <laughs> Chili moya. <laughs> Pretty good, bro? Yeah, yeah, it tastes like yogurt. Tastes like yogurt. Oh, wow. I'll have to try that. I don't know if they have it at the supermarket, but I'll look around when I'm, you know, down south. Eric? Huh? You have a cherimoya tree? Can I have one sometime? Thanks. <laughs> That's awesome, man. So they grow them out in Southern California. Plums. A sweet, juicy, cold plum. It's hard to beat. That's, these are great fruit. Sour plum. Wow. I've had a lot of those too. <laughs> I still like them and finish them, but I'm always thinking, man, I wish it was this. But that's, that's interesting. Hey, thank you, God. People have sour plum taste buds. That's cool. Uh, anybody else? Watermelon. That's my first or second all-time sweet, juicy, cold oh, watermelon. Pineapples. Pineapples. Pineapples are amazing. They're really good in cottage cheese, by the way. Chad and I was just talking about that. Okay, we could go on and on because guess what? There's 2,000 types of fruit that the Lord made. And even more, if you count like the, what's derived, like you could type in banana, there's almost 2,000 bananas, types, 1,600 types of bananas. I mean, it's mind-boggling how much fruit is out there. And that's, we're not even new heaven, new earth yet. Can you imagine? In fact, fruit is so, not only is it so yummy, but it's so nutritious for you. I want you to pray about eating more fruit. It's so nutritious for you. Uh, and I'll tell you what, there's a scam going on in, in the healthcare. We know that. And we know just like everything else we expose, there's a lot of lies going out there. And our bodies are made to eat fruit. Okay? Uh, meat, read it. It's biblical, you know? Uh, Vegetables, Chad and I might disagree a little bit on this, some vegetables at least, right? But this is a cool thing. Chad and I were, or Eli and I were driving after his football game. And as we were driving down the road, he played football. It was tough yesterday because I had such a juggling day. And both kids were playing their first football games at the same time. So I decided to go uh, to Eli's and hit Justice's next time. Uh, Lisa had gone to both, but I had less time in my day. And afterwards, I had Eli, and I was taking him in my uh, vehicle to... Uh, they wanted to grab a bite, and I do intermittent fasting. And I'm like, man, this is like too early for me. I don't, I hate to eat earlier than 11, 11:30. And I was like, and usually I can bide the time, and by the time the food comes, it's about 11 or later if that happens. But I said I'm going to go with them for the fellowship and being encouragement and so forth. And I went, but as I'm driving, Eli has, you know, they give out oranges sometimes or fruit. Sometimes they give out candy after a game. I was glad to see he had an orange, and he's eating his orange, but he's sucking the juice out of it without necessarily eating it. And I go, Eli, I go, that defeats the purpose of that orange. And I, I mean, orange juice, I admit, tastes great. That's one of the best tasting things I've ever had, but not necessarily good for you. Well, it's got vitamin C. Well, you can get vitamin C a lot of ways, okay, without having to drink the orange juice. But anyway, I'm like, Eli, because Eli, this matters, because Eli goes berserk. If Eli drinks Coca-Cola or if he drinks juice, just straight sugar, like a lot of kids, he's literally in tears a little bit later, very, very often. 
uh, hyper upset, has a fit, you know. And so his parents have had to say, hey, no, no juice, you know, no sweet drinks, things of that nature. And Eli's found out there's a lot of yummy things you could have and so forth. And I go, Eli, I don't know if you should just be squeezing the juice out of those things because the fiber is very important. And when you study fruit, it's, you know, it's, it's miraculous. You say, well, there's miraculous and there's a natural. To me, all of creation is, an, is by a miracle of God. So in some, in some ways, it's all miraculous, right? And I started to explain to him, and he's a super smart kid, you know. Eli is really intelligent. And, and I was making sure he tracked with me, but I said, you know, when you eat that, when you just, if you just drink straight orange juice. By the way, did you know if you just have an ounce of orange juice and an ounce of Coca-Cola, you know, you get 1.6 grams of sugar in an ounce of Coca-Cola. You get 1.7 grams of sugar in orange juice. It has way more sugar in it. And when it's not with the fiber, it could be very destructive. So but with the way God made fruit, it's so powerful. It's so beautiful. So if you just drink that orange juice and you're not eating the, the orange itself, you know, I'm not saying you won't get some nourishment out of it, but here's what happens. It goes into your higher stomach, right? And right away, your higher stomach absorbs, say, Coca-Cola, for instance. It's just, or just straight, whatever you're eating that's sugar, that's not in its proper context, your body just absorbs it and right away. And it goes and overloads your sugar and, and your insulin spikes up and your body's like, whoa, man, all the sugar, because it came in a context that wasn't created necessarily to come in, right? And uh, what your body starts doing is, that's why you get insulin spikes, and then you get insulin resistance, which is diabetes too. And a ton of people, even in this fellowship, struggle with this, you know, diabetes and so forth. All over, people struggle with this, right? So it's not supposed to be eaten in that context. So if he eats just the orange, plus it affects his mental, mental you know, it affects his hormonally, affects all kinds of things. It gets in your mitochondria, it gums up your mitochondria and your leptins, all kinds of things that sugar will do, right? So, and I'm saying this from a guy who loves sugar, okay, and he has eaten a lot of sugar, you know? I'm trying to do better, you know? I haven't been eating sugar for a little while now. I lost, like, by the grace of God, 16 pounds or so in the last month or so. So it's been good for me to eat whole foods, you know? But, I was, but it's interesting. I was telling Eli, I go, Eli, if you eat the orange, this is what's really heavy about this. I go, if you eat that whole orange... You know, I go, you know what this will do? And I kind of use, you know, because kids have been into superheroes and all that. I go, this is your energy to be super and be what God's called you to be. When you eat an orange, you guys, guess what? You have soluble and insoluble fibers that are going into your system. You know what they do when you eat them? Your insoluble fibers that you get from saying, say it's in the different types of fruit, vegetables too. You get the insoluble fiber in the form of like, Think of the stringiness that you have in the a celery, right? It's the stringiness of these different fruits. And guess what it does in your stomach? It forms a lattice or a white gel, a, like a fishnet, and coats your higher stomach. But then you also have soluble fiber in the fruit. Guess what that does? It's more, it's more globular. It's like pectins, you know, that, that holds yogurt together. It fills all the spaces in that lattice that God created through the insoluble fiber. So now you have the soluble and insoluble fiber working together, created a membrane around your stomach. Just straight sugar, by the way, eats away at the mucous membrane of your stomach. It's kind of interesting. But if you eat in that context, you get this secondary deal. And guess what? The sugar is not being immediately absorbed in your upper stomach and going straight to your liver and your body's trying to process and you get really high and then all of a sudden you're like down and weak and tired. Like, why am I so tired? Oh, I just ate a bunch of sugar. Are you with me? But you know what's crazier about this? Then, since you've got that fiber coating in your stomach, then God's created fruit in such a way to where now those sugars go to your lower part of your stomach. Guess what's in the lower part of your stomach? All kinds of really good bacteria for your gut health, which is so important they're finding. Gut health is so important. And guess what? It feeds those bacterias. They eat it. Yum, 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 yum. And they get stronger. You get healthier. I'm telling all this to Eli, and he's like cross-eyed, I'm sure, you know. But, uh, but we're, we had a great conversation. And he's like, but pop up, some of the things like sugarcane are so sweet. What about sugarcane? There's so much sugar in it. And I go, I go, think about it. And this is really interesting, guys. God has put the right proportion of sugar with fiber in pretty much everything he's created, fruit-wise. If you look, I go, look at, and this is true, except for a couple fruit, except for two fruit that I know of, uh, all the fiber and the sugar, depending on what fruit you have, what, if there's a lot more sugar, there's a lot more fiber. 
I mean, think of a pineapple, a lot of sugar, right? But it's not real easy to chew, right? Because God put extra fiber in there. Oh, well, think about since Eli brought up the sugar cane. Think there's any fiber in sugar cane when you're eating it? <laughs> it's like you're like eating a stick, you know? God did that on purpose. To me, it's like shows the wisdom. All these, I love these things because it shows God's wisdom, amen, and how smart he is. And it's awesome. So I'm trying to encourage you because a lot of people, and by the grace of God, I never got like diabetes or pre-diabetes. I sh maybe should have. So I wasn't the best eater. I try to be, you know, and you know, and, I'm, and right now, I, I can't preach to you, say you have to do this, have to do that. I'm not, it's between you and God as to whether you drink Coca-Cola and, and, and juice. The Bible says it's not what goes into the body that defiles the man that goes outside the body, amen? It's what's the evil that goes out. So what you bring into your body is gonna be between you and God, but I'm thinking of your, your, our health, right? And since we're talking about fruit, fruit is so important for our lives, amen? But if we're just dropping candy all the time, we're not in the mood. Now, that's my own testimony. I don't know, I had candy all the time, but I eat sweets and I wouldn't be in the mood for fruit. And God puts a high premium on fruit. It's gonna be in New Jerusalem, amen? And, and you get better, you get more of appetite, and then it's God's candy. And then you're, you eat and you feel good, and you're like, and I, I, I'm not kidding. I look forward to getting home after, you know, a lot of work and so forth, and I can't wait to eat some fruit in my cottage cheese. I'm like, and it's so good, you know. And by the way, fruit is self-limiting. Where they did, they've done it, you know, little tiny, you know, anecdotal type studies where they'll put a 12-ounce glass of orange juice before a kid and tell this other kid to eat five oranges, six oranges. And the kid will drink the orange juice, but he wants to eat more. The other kid, when he gets to the fourth orange, he's throwing up because he's had enough. He's not hungry anymore, right? And the point is, is you could eat fruit and you're not going to really overdose on it. But are you with me? I'm sorry. I know this isn't a health class, but this is important stuff, you know? Uh, so you can eat it. So don't eat the fourth one, you know? If you're the third one, you're like, okay, I'm fine. The point is, well, if I throw it up, I'm going back to orange juice. No. Point is, is that, and that's between you and God. I'm not saying I'll never drink an orange juice again. So don't, if you ever see me drinking orange juice in the future, because I do look at, I'm not, you know, against desserts here and there, but that would be like a dessert to me if I did do a fresh squeeze of orange juice sometime in the future, but it wouldn't be normative for me. But if you drink orange juice every morning, you're not sinning, okay? Because, you know, sexual sin is the only sin that's against the body, although it can affect your body and how much energy you have. So just pray about that, because God's given us all these wonderful packages to eat that, that we're neglecting. And I can't wait because I'm not going to say, I'm not going to be in heaven thinking, man, I want some C's candy right now. <laughs> C's candy is amazing, by the way. That might be my dessert once in a blue moon. I'm just not at the place where I could do desserts at all right now. And then you got to watch when you go off and you start doing your desserts. Oh, the next case is sugar is addictive. It's proven. Oh, I want some more. Oh, yeah, just a little more. And then before you know it, you're off your way of life. So I'm not doing a diet right now. I'm just doing a way of life. That's a change of mentality, hopefully, prayerfully. Please pray for me. Because, <laughs> no, really, I'm serious. Because I'm getting older, man. I'm getting older, and I want to be around for you, with you guys and my brothers and sisters in Christ and, and to be a witness to the world. I want to be there for my grandkids and my wife and everyone. So anyway, the Lord is good, amen? So fruit, let's talk about spiritual fruit now. Oh, by the way, I can't leave this alone. If you, is this good stuff, yes or no? Yeah. Amen, it's good stuff. So uh, if, when people count calories, calories are kind of uh, deceptive because if you take a quarter of a cup, say, of almonds and you eat that quarter cup of almonds, that's 160 calories. Yes and no. Because not all calories are made the same. And a lot of dietitians and nutritionists should be saying this. They're saying calories, is, we're, we're a closed system, and the first law of thermodynamics, what goes in is, and, 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 no, we're not a closed system, guys. We're an open system, first of all. And when you eat, say, an orange versus orange juice, drinking orange juice, what happens? You're not absorbing all those calories. Even though, let's say you have the same, you squeeze these oranges, you have the same amount of orange juice as there are, would be in these oranges, and you do both. You get a lot less calories in the oranges. Why? Because your bacteria in your lower stomach is eating them for fuel and praising God. I don't know if they praise God. Praise, thank you for giving me some. I don't know how that works, you know. So now I can't say they're praising God, but you know, it'll make it. So with almonds, you get in almonds 160 calories, about in a quarter cup. But guess what? Your lower gut eats about 30 calories. So you really only absorb and use and burn 130 calories. Isn't that interesting? So 
I think the things that God has given us in this world are very underrated. And just consider those things. I'm trying to give you fruit for, th- or food for thought. Okay. So anyway, I asked Eli when we parked, poor Eli, did this with my kids all the time too. Now they're older. And I said, okay, now tell me back what I just said to you. He goes, pop up. I'd pretty much be telling you what you just told me. I'm like, okay, good answer. Okay. <laughs> uh, though we discussed it. So have fun. You can even eat some sugar cane. It's a blessing. Now, we need to bear fruit as Christians. If we're not bearing fruit, we have to ask who we are. Are we truly following Christ? Uh, there's nobody in heaven that has claimed to be a Christian and professed faith with zero fruit. The Bible says in Luke, Jesus said in Luke, 3, 30, uh, Luke 6, 33, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Okay? In chapter 7 of the Gospel of Matthew, when he's talking about how to discern someone who's a true believer, a, true, a, a false prophet versus a true prophet, we read in Matthew chapter 7, verse 16, by their fruit you will recognize them. Jesus says, do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad, t- bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. By their fruit, you will know them or recognize them. Isn't that interesting? You know? So when you have, uh, you know, prophets and power, you know, and, 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 and claiming to be prophets and you look at their lifestyle and they're chasing women, you know, uh, they're, they're getting drunk, they're doing drugs, you know, they're living for, you know, they're preaching prosperity gospel and living off of people's to get rich kind of thing. And you look at that, and you say, that's, that's not good fruit, you know, where's the righteousness in this person's life? You know, where's the love that's shown and so forth. So I want to talk to you about 10 different types of fruit uh, that God speaks of in his word in the New Testament. I could have gone beyond these 10 and in the Old Testament, although we'll reference the Old Testament as well, but we identify 10 different types of fruit in the New Testament, okay? Now, I've given lists before of three or four, but man, my list climbed to 10 as I studied this. I'm like, wow, Lord, there's a lot of different fruit that... Now, you have to at least have some fruit to be a bona fide believer. That old question comes up if, if you were, you know... Uh, arrested for being a Christian where they have enough evidence uh, to convict you. Now, you guys, there's only a few things that are eternal in our world right now. Only four things that I can think of that are eternal in the world that we live in. Of course, God is eternal and he is here with us. Amen. His word is eternal. The Bible talks about, you know, Jesus said heaven and earth will pass away, but, you know, my words will never pass away. Amen. His word's eternal. Those are two things. Your souls are eternal. Your souls are eternal. They, they're going to be with God forever or in the lake of fire forever. Number four, you know what else is eternal? The fruit that you bear to God's glory. Those things you bring with him. Jesus, the things you do for him. Jesus said, lay not up for yourselves in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. Lay not for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust do corrupt and thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust can corrupt and thieves can't break in and steal. Amen. And the fruit that's eternal, that'll last forever and ever. You'll be rewarded for it. So if you're, if you're like in investing and stuff and playing the stock market and so forth, the best investment you can possibly make is by investing yourself in God's, in God's eternal word, amen, and being a student of God's word, being a disciple of God's word, uh, investing in fruit. Because, it, you know, like the song says, you know, uh, it's only those things that are done for Christ that will last, right? It's only, it's only those things done for Christ that will stand in the end. And all other ground is what? Seeking sand, amen? So really, man, get your priorities right all of us, myself included, make sure we're focused on the Lord. We're in his word. We're trying to win souls. And the, guess what? The fruit will take care of itself. If I put the Lord God first, amen, and I'm immersed in his word, and I'm seeking to win people to Christ, and those who are in Christ, build them up and encourage them, which all of us are called to do, right? 
If you're just encouraging other brothers and sisters with scripture, you're bearing fruit. That's a beautiful thing. Don't say, sometimes people think of fruit only in terms of winning souls. I don't know if I ever led someone to Jesus. Do I have any fruit? Guess what, man? You bear fruit by encouraging other Christians to stay in Jesus, to love Jesus, to serve Jesus. And if you've ever done that and you're still doing that, you've borne fruit and you're continuing to bear fruit to God. So be encouraged, but also be warned if you're not doing any of that. You're claiming to be a Christian. You come and you say, I'm just going to put in my time. Man, I don't want to read the word, you know. Hey, fantasy football is coming up. Uh, and not say anything against fantasy football. I like to play fantasy football. I've got church league. Yeah, signed me up. I signed up years ago. Lost a lot of times, you know. Last, I won four out of the last five Super Bowls. And you know what? You know what my trick is? Don't study at all. Just do the draft. I don't, don't even look into it. I just, and I'm like, I don't know. I'm not saying it's a trick because that does not usually work. But uh, I'm like, wow. But guess what? I'm not all caught up in trading and doing all this. And it's like, oh, it's fun. I can, you know, it's fun conversation piece with the guys. But man, your focus has to be Jesus Christ. Amen. And if a lot of you guys or gals or whatever you're into, you're more into those things than Jesus, that's not healthy. Jesus has to be number one. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all these things would be added to you. Amen. I love watching my, my grandkids playing football. But man, I better know more scripture than stats. Amen. You see what I'm, see what I'm saying? I better be spending more time in the word. We have a midweek Bible study, guys. We have a great time getting the word. I hope you can come and make it because it's not very much time being you know, asked when you're in a, a fellowship. And that's not just for you to learn, but that's your time to show up to encourage other people in Christ. You can bear a lot of fruit through being in fellowship. Amen? So it's important to say, to make decisions in your life. Hey, I'm, you know, I'm going to assess. I'm going to make a decision. And I'm going to act on my decision. And you'll automatically start bearing fruit to God's glory. So there's no better investment than in that which is eternal. Now, uh, and that's <laughs> worshiping God, staying in his word, winning souls, right? And in doing that, you'll bear fruit to God his glory. So I want to talk about 10 different types of fruit. Now, I was in a dilemma working on this message because I wanted to identify different fruit. What is the fruit that God's looking for in our lives? That's important, amen. As a Christian, you want to know that, right? But also how to bear that fruit. As I looked at these 10 types of fruit, and then I talked, and I had notes about how to bear fruit, I was like, "Uh uh-oh, this is a long message, man. So important. It's all gold. It's beautiful. But man, sometimes the brain can't endure what the fanny can't endure, you know? And I want to, so what I'm going to do is go through the 10 types of fruit without talking about how to bear them because it becomes obvious sometimes in the text. And then have another study where we talk about how do we see, how do we bear this fruit? What does the scripture say we do to bear these fruits in our life? Amen. So this is definitely a worthy study to have a series on, which is not really a series, kind of, it's just two, part one and part two. And you really want both parts, just like you want the sugar from the orange and the fiber. Okay, anyway, uh, <laughs> first fruit uh, that God needs to see in your life. And without this fruit, you can't be saved. And it's called the fruit of repentance. The fruit of repentance. I put that first because your Christian life begins with repentant faith. Jesus said, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Amen? Amen. He said that in Luke chapter 13, verse 3, and Luke 13, 5. Lisa and I were fellowshipping with Jana and Anita, uh, who used to go here, but Jana, oh, Jana still comes, but she drives a long way to come. And Anita comes, well, we just saw her uh, because she's all the way in Arizona. Love those guys, but we, Lisa and I, uh, before Bible study, we had some fellowship with them, and, and Jana was showing me her new... Uh, she had Luke 13, 3 written out, you know, and I'm like, that's awesome. She's like, oh, it's 13, 5, she had, except you repent, you always like perish. I go, that's great, but it's actually 13, 3, and her and Eater were like, uh-oh, it wasn't a tattoo, don't worry, but it was still, you know, blazing. It was like, or, you know, how she had it. It was like, and I go, it's 13, 3 and 13, 5, you're good. <laughs> you know, it's in both places, but Jesus said it twice. Why do you say it twice? Get it through our heads. Because a lot of people are going to stand before God thinking they're saved on judgment day. And Jesus specifically will say to them, depart from me. I never knew you. You workers of lawlessness. You did not do the will of the Father. They never turned from their lawless deeds and their wickedness. And they never turned to the Lord. Really, that's called the 
Repentance is a fruit, yeah. Listen to these scriptures. Luke 3, 8. Uh, John the Baptist said, produce fruit. When he was witnessing to the lost, the Pharisees, and even the religious leaders, he'd be very religious, but you'll stand before God because those guys are religious. They're stand before God and be sent to the lake of fire. Because they'll say, did we not do many wonderful things in your name? Did we not heal the sick in your name? Did we not cast out demons? And he said, I never knew you. They were doing religious things, but he called them workers of lawlessness. And says, you did not do the will of the Father. You have all kinds of professing Christians today that are playing with religion, but they're not repentant of a wicked lifestyle that's contrary to God's will. Make sure you repent. In Luke 3, 8, Jesus says, produce, I'm sorry, John the Baptist said, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that our, out of these stones, God is able to raise up children for Abraham. In other words, he can hear the excuses already coming. Oh, well, we're religious. I mean, we're children of Abraham. Jesus said the same thing to them, basically, in John chapter 8. He said, you say you have Abraham as your father, because they were using that excuse. But you're not doing the works of Abraham. You're trying to kill me. What's your relationship with Jesus? Do you want nothing to do with him? Or do you love him and see your Lord and Savior? Amen. In Matthew 3.10, John the Baptist again says, the ax is already laid at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Not some trees, not most trees, every tree, including those who say, Abraham is my father. Pastor Joe is my dad. You know, uh, so-and-so, Mike is my dad. Or, you know, uh, you know, Landell is my mom. You can't say that. You have to say, God doesn't have grandchildren. Or he has children, amen? amen? And you have to make sure you're a child of God. And you need to repent and turn from your sin if you're in sin. I say this because I love you guys. I don't want one to perish that I'm able to minister to. And if they perish, it's not going to be because I didn't tell them they need to repent and be right with Jesus. And that's why I emphasize it so much because I know I'm going to give an account. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, in James 3, it says teachers will incur a stricter judgment. In Hebrews chapter 13, it says we will answer for the souls. I feel so bad for these leaders and pastors that don't warn their flocks. I'm like, oh, Lord God. Paul said he did not hesitate or he did not shrink from declaring the whole purpose of God. He said, consider therefore the goodness and the severity of God. And he said, I'm free from the blood of all men. No, he wasn't going to be condemned because he refused to warn people. You know, and I warn people of to get saved, I warn people of false doctrine because I want to make sure that I'm right with God and I want to make sure because I love you guys that we all know Jesus together. The fruit of, number two, the fruit of a disciple. The fruit of a disciple. Wow. And you know what? What does a disciple look like? Back to that question. If they arrested you, would they have enough, for being a Christian, would they have enough evidence to convict you of being a Christian? That's not going to, well, yeah, they could get me on my bumper sticker, you know. Or they could get me on my bong because of my bong. I says, I love Jesus. Really? A bong? I love Jesus? I don't know if anyone's ever done that. We'll give anybody ideas. You know, if you got a bong, you're, you don't think, yeah, that's the, not the point. The point is, turn from your sin. Repent, you know, and be a disciple. Now, listen to what it says in John 15, 8. Jesus says, this is my, uh, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I'm specifically tying the word fruit into what I'm saying are 10 different mentions of fruit in the types of fruit in the New Testament. Some is mentioned over and over again. You want to be a true disciple. Now today, just being honest with you, a lot of teachers say being a disciple is optional. You can accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, but you can reject his lordship over your life. He doesn't have to be your Lord. My Bible says without holiness, no one will see the Lord. My, Bible, my, my Jesus says, why do you call me Lord and do not, do not what I say? And that many will say, Lord, Lord, but didn't really follow him. And no, I mean, there's a huge teaching through a lot of false teaching out there through the free grace movement and so forth, the hyper grace movement, you know, uh, the greasy grace movement. I mean, there's, a, there's movements even separate from each other. Greasy grace is what we would probably term it, but there's free grace, there's hyper grace and so forth. And it's just, oh, all you need to do is acknowledge that Jesus died for you and go on with your life. You don't have to repent and turn from your sin. That's wicked, okay? And, and that's seeped into mainline teachers. 
I mean, I've got uh, even men like Greg Laurie teaches, I'm just being honest with you, that you can, he teaches in his little book on discipleship that he has passed out to people that being a disciple is optional. You can accept Jesus as your Savior, but you probably should probably accept him as your Lord down the line somewhere too. It's like, no, I did a whole, gave quotes from that and everything in a recent podcast that we did from Laurie, you know. And now it's kind of interesting because when he's going through the Bible, if he's in First John or something and it says, you know, he that says he, you know, loves God or, or, you know, is in the light or so forth, but walks in darkness, a liar and truth is in him, those kinds of things, then I'll actually preach that. I'm like, oh, that's right on, but that contradicts what you're saying over here to the people that are prospects of disciples. You cannot just accept Jesus, uh, that he died on the cross and say, okay, I'm good. You have to repent, amen, and be a disciple, be a follower of Christ. So make sure, now some of these things are fruit that has to be in your life if you're a real Christian. Back to Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, where he talks about many will say, Lord, Lord, but they're living lives of wickedness, you know? So this is important stuff, guys. And, and I mentioned that because these are very prominent people that you hear on the radio, and sometimes they'll be teaching this stuff, and people get the idea, oh, I'm good. I could cheat on my wife. I can kick my dog. I can snort coke and get drunk. And, you know, I don't have to be concerned about holiness and so forth. And they learn this from these teachers, and then they live like that because guess what? Let's be honest. How many of us have to fight against our flesh? Every true Christian. Every day we're called to t- take up our cross and deny ourselves and follow him. And when you start teaching like that, it's like throwing gas on a fire. Your flesh, the flesh loves it. And the Bible says in the last days people t- teach people things, telling them what they want to hear and tickling their ears. Okay, that's in 2 Timothy chapter 4. It warns about that. Number three, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. That's in Galatians 5. And uh, verses, you know, 20. 23. And Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is love, peace, joy, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And then he goes on to say in verse 24, he says, those who belong to Christ, if you really belong to Christ, they have crucified the flesh with his affections and desires. Now understand the context here, guys. Right before he mentions the fruit of the Spirit, love, peace, joy, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and self-control, the verses right before that, that's verse 21 and 22, 23, or verse 22, 23, verses 19 through 21. Well, let's go there. Let's go there. This is why this is so important. And Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Now the deeds of the flesh are what? Evident which are immorality, impurity, and that Greek word immorality often means sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, uh, a lot of these words are, have to do with sexual sin, idolatry, sorcery, think Marvel, Disney, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions. The Bible says God hates a number of things, and one of the things he hates is a brother who causes division. Don't be, be a peacemaker, amen? But speak the truth in love and be at peace with all those who are in the truth, amen? Envying, verse 21, drunkenness. Millions, millions of professing Christians get drunk and say, well, I'm not that drunk, I'll still make it. Uh-oh, scary for them. By the way, do study, look at the recent studies on just moderate alcohol drinking, how it causes eight types of different diseases. And the new studies they've been coming up with the last 10 years, it's really scary, guys. Just even if you're not getting drunk, it can be very deleterious to your well-being. Envying, drunkenness, carousing, that means partying, and things like these. Now watch what he says, of which I forewarn you. I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you. Paul said, I've done this before, I'd do it again. That those who practice such things will what? Not inherit the kingdom of God. You know there's all kinds of, there's books and articles written out on how you can do these things and still inherit God's kingdom. Yes, yes. They'll even use these scriptures. They say, oh, well, inheriting God's kingdom, you know, that just means having a lot of rewards. It doesn't mean you won't get into heaven. No kidding. Huge deception. Then look what he says. Then in verse 22, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such such things there is no law. Then look at verse 24, context. Now, those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have what? Crucify the flesh with its passions and desires. When you become a Christian, what happens? Jesus said, you cannot be my disciple unless you what? Deny yourself, right? 
take up your cross daily and follow me. So in other words, to be a Christian, you need to get on the cross, so to speak. Take a cross. You're a cross bearer. Now, if you were live in Jesus' day and you saw people being crucified, you'd see that they were carrying their crosses and you'd feel, that dude's dead. This is good as dead. He's going to be pinned to that cross. Well, guess what? Jesus is using such a powerful picture. He's saying, guess what? You need to live your life as one who denies yourself. Doesn't live for your lust. Doesn't live for uh, unhealthy, ungodly passions. Amen? And then what happens when you do that? Oh, you mean I can't, you know, look at porn and, and, and chase women around and, and do methamphetamines and ayahuasca and DMT and you know, psilocybin, acid and all that. I can't do all that. No, you can't. Not if you're going to follow Christ. By the way, a lot of the last things I mentioned are under pharmacia, which is sorcery, drugs, illicit drugs. But guess what? People that are doing all those things are empty. They don't have the joy of the Spirit. They don't have the love of God. The Bible says that the, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen? I was doing bad things, including psilocybin or acid and things like that before I was a Christian. Smoked a lot of pot, getting drunk, you know. And... Uh, doing all those kinds of things, and it didn't make me happy. Oh, at the, you know, at first, when you first spoke a pot, man, you're cutting up, you're laughing with your friends, you know. At first, then before you know, you start getting paranoid. A lot of people do anyway. Or you start going through, you know, just, it's just not, then all of a sudden, the laughter turns into, and what a lot of drugs, they become addictive because now you're just so low, you want to try to feel a little better, you know. John, you're smiling and shaking your head a little bit. You can relate, right? <laughs> no, I mean, hey, we were all, most of us were partiers in the past, right? So I just can relate to, I don't know how much you even did, John. I don't think you shared much with me, but I know your brother, Kenny. So, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, one of my brother-in-laws, you know, who's good now too. And praise God, I love seeing John and, and, and Kenny's in Idaho now, but the brothers and sisters that used to be involved in these things, and we used to get our thrills through partying and drunkenness and drugs. And, and now, man, look what God does with people. You look at John, man, he loves the Lord, you know. You look at what happens to a person that's born again. And now I've been a believer for a lot of years, man, okay. This church started in 1990. That's 32 years ago, okay. I got saved around 81, just when 80, it was becoming 1981. And I've been saved for years, and I've never, not one day ever regretted it. The joy of the Lord is always there, and if I don't have the, it's always there for me, but if I don't, if I'm like, hmm, I need to seek the Lord more. I need to make sure I'm on track. Boom, then you bear the fruit of the Spirit. How many want joy? Just seek the Lord, live for him, amen? How many want less anxiety? A lot of, COVID brought a lot of anxiety to people, amen? But we're able to have joy still, amen? And seek the Lord and have happiness in Christ, true joy. Self-control, how many of you want more self-control? That comes from the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, now this is important. This is the fruit of the Holy Spirit's work in your life. And you can't do this on your own. By the way, when people are under a demonic spirit, what kind of behavior do you see they exhibit in the Bible? Destructive, violent, evil behavior, perverse behavior. And that's why before we're Christians, it says we walked according to the course of this world according to the prince and the power of the air that works through the children of disobedience, we're under a different spirit. There's two spirits. There's the spirit of truth and the spirit of error, it mentions in 1 John. Satan is the father of lies. If you're not submitting to the spirit of God, you're opening yourself up to the spirit, the prince and the power of the air, and he's steering you the wrong way, and that what will be in your life is not good fruit, but rotten fruit. Okay? It's important that we walk in the spirit. How do we walk in the spirit? Well, I don't want to do too many how-tos today because that's next week. And I'm going to look at that clock. But we, we walk in the Spirit by staying in step with what God's called us to do be, and, and following His Word. Because His Word is breathed by the Spirit, amen? And seeking out the things of the Spirit. And putting our eyes on Jesus because the Holy Spirit, Jesus said the Holy Spirit will glorify me. When you glorify Jesus, you're walking in the Spirit. And it says in Galatians chapter 5, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. You want to know how to have success so you don't fulfill the desire of the flesh? Walk in the Spirit. Stay in God's Word. Live according to His Word. Amen. And by the way, I love, I love Romans 5.5. 5. Listen to this. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love, listen to this, God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. If you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. The Bible says if we have not the Spirit, we are none of His in Romans 8. Okay? It says, as many as led by the Spirit, these are the children of God. And it says in Romans 8, 12 and 13, brethren, we're not, we're not uh, he says, we're not debtors to the flesh 
to live after the flesh. But if you through the spirit do mortify or kill or destroy the deeds of the body, you shall live. And then it goes on to say, as many as are led by the spirit, these are the children of God. So what we do is we walk in the spirit. We don't fulfill the desires of the flesh and we just stay on the straight and narrow. And the Holy Spirit's that's, he's God, amen, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And he lives in us as believers and he will empower us, but we have to surrender to him. We have to surrender to the Lord and say, Lord, I wanna live for you and I wanna bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And if you're gonna bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit, you have to put your roots into the Lord. I love Ephesians 3.17, listen to this. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts. As you trust in him, your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. I love that. As our roots go into the Lord through prayer, through reading his word, through trusting him, faith, looking to him, that's how we grow. That's how we grow. Fruit of the lips, number four, the fruit of your lips. Fruit of your lips are important. What comes out of your mouth? You go to the doctor, at least when I was young, you know, in the 14th century when I was a kid, you know, for you younger people, they'd say, the doctor would say, open your mouth. And he'd put that little wooden, you know, balsa, it was probably it made out of balsa, now I think about it, stick it on your tongue and just press down and he'd say, say, ah, he'd look at your tongue. And he, a doctor could tell a lot about your, your physiology and how you're doing by looking at your tongue. That's amazing. Well, same with the Bible, same with God's word, same with the spirit of God. God looks at what comes out of your mouth. It's that which comes out of the heart which defiles the man, including Jesus said, evil speech. We have to make sure as believers and we're seeking God and we love God, we should be praising him. That's a fruit. It's number four. It's the scripture I'm using for that is Hebrews, 3, Hebrews 13, 15. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips. The fruit, there it is, of our lips that openly profess his name. Wow, you know what a fruit of the lips is? You wanna bear that fruit? That means you praise the Lord, man. That means you profess his name. You profess him as your Lord and Savior. First Corinthians chapter 12 says, nobody can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. I love that. And I believe what he's saying is nobody can sincerely, with faith, say Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Spirit. So if you can say Jesus is my Lord, he's my master, and you're sincere about that, you can't do that except by the Holy Spirit. I love that. And Proverbs 15.4, listen to this. A soothing tongue is a tree of life. Remember I mentioned that you are an extension of the tree of life in a way, spiritually speaking? A soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Wow. Notice he says the sacrifice of praise. Because we don't always feel like praising the Lord. Sometimes our bodies are tired. But we, we need a, a sacrifice. Here you are today, you know, and you'll worship, you know, lifting our hands, it says, and praise to God. That's a sacrifice. But it pleases God. Lifting up a song, and not just in song, but also just praising him, giving him glory. He's called us out of darkness into the glorious light, it says, in 1 Peter chapter 2, that we would be to the praise of his glory, it says in Ephesians chapter 1, but it says that we would give forth the praise of God in 1 Peter chapter 2, and that we are priesthood. And when we get into servants later in Revelation 22, you're going to see what the servants do to a degree. You're going to see over and over again that the servants who are all Christians are now in the Holy of Holies, which we've already talked about. Amen. The New Jerusalem is configured perfectly square like the Holy Holies, but we're not the high priest going in once a year. It's all of us there for the rest of eternity. And we are called priests in Revelation over and over again, and we will serve him there. And one way we serve him is by praising him and loving him. And what's a trip is God serves us too, which we're going to get into. It just blows me away. And at Zephaniah 3, it says he sings praises over us. I'm not sure if he's like, I thank myself for making you or how that sounds, but he did it all, right? But it's just amazing. And that's something, that's a fruit of your salvation is praising the Lord. You know, I noticed when I was a new Christian, I just wanted to praise God. But I noticed it was the JWs came knocking at my door. The Mormons came knocking at my door. And I'm reading my Bible. And I started studying with both of them and saw that they were both off. And I didn't know any Christians. I'm like, this isn't lining up with what the Bible's saying. And it really made me immerse. I was already in the Bible. But I got more and more into it. But I noticed when I was, and I'd go to the Kingdom Hall, check out the Kingdom Hall with the JWs. Not only were they not taking communion, which I thought this is strange. But I didn't hear anybody saying, praise God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It was just dead. I went to the Mormon church. And it was dead too. You know, you hear some testimonials and stuff, but you wouldn't hear them saying, praise Jesus, man. Praise the Lord. 
That, that was very interesting. And I continued to seek the Lord, and I ended up realizing, guess what? The body of Christ isn't one specific organization. It's, David said, I'm a companion with all those who fear you. I need to find those who truly fear the one true God, who believe that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. Amen. Believe you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. Uh, believe that we're saved by grace through faith and not of ourselves. Amen. And believe that you have to have the true Jesus, not the spirit brother of Lucifer, hence Mormonism, or Jesus being the archangel Michael and a created being, hence the JWs, but the Jesus of the Bible. And then when I found them, guess what? And I was around them and I started fellowshipping with Christians, seeing hands go up, talking, and we're all praising the Lord. And they were praising Jesus. Praise the Lord. It's, just, it's not even something like, I must say praise the Lord right here. Praise the Lord. You don't think like that. You just say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm always, I'm always praising the Lord. And then I'm around people that don't know Jesus. I'll say praise God. Praise the Lord. I'm like, I'm thinking, oh, they're probably tripping out on me right now. But that's okay because that's part of the fruit of my lips and that's part of the evidence of my salvation. My wife says praise the Lord a lot. <laughs> if you talk to my wife, amen. In fact, if you told my wife, I'm going to kill you if you say praise the Lord, she'd go, praise the Lord. You know? <laughs> I mean, that's my wife, you know, and hopefully that's all of us, you know. I'm going to praise Jesus, amen. And that's evidence of our salvation is the praise of our lips and praise God that there's beautiful music we can praise God to, you know. Sing a new song of the Lord. I'm always trying to, you know, I love just praising the Lord and I came on the way to, uh, to, to service today to, to preach, and I'm like, you know, I'm always trying to wring the last bit of truth that I believe God wants to share with me out of my message. But as I'm driving, I'm, hear my cry, oh Lord, attend. And I just started singing that. I didn't think, what song do I want to sing now? Just songs get put on your heart. The more you just, the key is sticking close to Jesus and praying and seeking him. And I'm just, I haven't sang that song for a while, but I love that song. You know, uh, it's a beautiful song. Tell me, we got to do that song, man. That's such a great song. Uh, but it just comes out of you the more you seek Jesus. And it's, a, it's one of the fruits that God wants to see in our lives. Amen. Uh, I got a couple scriptures here on how to do that, on, on how to do, be able to do that more to where it becomes supernatural to you and naturally supernatural. But that's for next week because I'm not going to get through. And I said I want to share that for later. Uh, the next one is the fruit of prayer. The fruit of prayer. And I'm going to have to hit these fast because I don't want to do two parts of these 10 and then go into how to do it in a third. So the fruit of prayer, but I'm going to give you scriptures. John 15, 16, Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask, that's pray for, whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. So he wants fruit in our life that lasts and that's connected to pray, prayer. Are you praying? Are you seeking the Lord? We have not because we ask not. And fruit is an answer to our prayers. He, I have children, now I have grandchildren. I love it when they ask me for things. I mean, maybe not for the 50th time when I don't have it, you know, but through the years, you know, but I love it when they ask you because you're able to give. And if you're able to give, you're able to bless. It's just something you do. Jesus says, who of you as a father being evil, you know how to give gifts to your children. If they ask for, you know, an egg or a piece of bread, you don't give them a stone or a scorpion or a snake, right? How much more will the father give us Holy Spirit if we ask for him? So I say, Father, fill me with your spirit more and more. Help me bear more and more fruit, right? In Philippians chapter one, verse nine, Paul says, and this I pray that your love may abound still more and more. So he's praying for fruit of the spirit. So now I'm kind of getting into how a little bit here, but this is the fruit of prayer. And then he prays in verse 11, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, fruit of right, which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory of the praise of God. He's praying that they would bear fruit. Let's pray that we bear fruit, but don't just pray for yourself. Pray for your brothers and sisters to be more fruitful. I'm always praying for the fellowship. Help us to be fruitful, Father. In John chapter 15, verses seven and eight, Jesus says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So prayer is huge, man. And we could go through a bunch of answered prayers in the Bible, which is fruit in their lives. Number six, there's the fruit of good deeds. The fruit of good deeds. Paul in Colossians 1, verses 9 and 10a, he says, We have not ceased praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you may live worthily, uh, worthy of the Lord and please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good deed. Colossians 1, 9 and 10. So Paul, here we see 
that God wants us to bear good deeds, to do good things. The Bible says faith without works is what? Dead. It's not a true faith if I don't do anything for the Lord. I'm not saved by what I do, but if I'm not doing anything, it's an indication that I haven't been saved or that I'm no longer trusting Jesus. And the Bible says when it says faith without works is dead, it goes on to say even the demons believe and tremble. And some, a lot of people say, well, see, the demons believe and they're not saved. It shows you need works, and that's true. But guess what? He's also making a point there. The demons believe and tremble. At least they fear God. But that still doesn't even save them just because they tremble, because you have to follow Christ. Amen? Amen? But we need to have the fear of God, and we need to do things for his glory. Amen? We need to live for him. Number seven, the fruit of righteousness. The fruit of righteousness. Paul in Philippians 1.11 talks about being filled with the fruit of righteousness. James 3.17 talks about how we're to be peacemakers and we're to sow in peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Wow. In Romans chapter 6, 21 and 22, it says this, for when you were slaves to sin, we used to be slaves to sin, right? To our old natures. You were free of obligation to righteousness. What fruit did you reap at that time? From the things of which you are now ashamed. The outcome of those things is death. But now he says that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God. The fruit, the fruit you reap leads to holiness and the outcome, eternal life. And the next chapter he says in verse 4, So my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another. So we used to be, they used to be condemned by the law, but now they belong to Christ, to him who raised from the dead, that is Jesus, right? In order that we might bear fruit to God. So we bear fruit, the fruit of righteousness in our lives. We do things that are a blessing to God's heart, that please him. And we live righteously and we bless others. That's the Christian life, amen? We live to serve him. We live to bless him. There is the fruit of giving, okay? The fruit of giving or serving. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. So God wants to give you an abundance for every good deed. As it is written, he scattered abroad, and he gave to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Paul goes on to say, Now we have uh, he who supplies seed to the sower, and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all uh, liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of the service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. Because of the proof given by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedience and to the confession of the gospel of Christ and for the liberality of your contribution to them all. Because the Corinthians had helped the poor. And he says, while they also by prayer on your behalf yearn for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And some relate that to the gift that they gave. I relate that to Jesus. God saying, he gave the ultimate gift, man. You can't outgive God, amen? Then in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Paul says to the same church, he says, on the first day of the week when you gather together, set aside money so you can bless, you know, and, and have collections. And we call those the tithes and offerings. We don't teach that you have to give a tithe or you're not right with God, as many false teachers teach. That's a false teaching. They say, if you're not tithing, you're damned, you know. In the Mormon cult, if you don't tithe, you don't get into the celestial kingdom, you know. Uh, and many faith teachers and many good Baptist preachers otherwise, but not really good if you're teaching you have, to, you have to tithe and give 10% or you're damned. But guess what? Because we love the Lord, amen? Because we serve him. We don't do good acts of righteousness and good deeds and so forth to be right with God. We do them because we are right with God, amen? So we do take our offerings. We're saying, hey, we want to give this for the service of God's kingdom. And by the way, all kinds of awesome things are happening you know, when you give to this fellowship, by the way, by the grace of God, we have, by the grace of God, purely, we have a good track record. I've been pastoring here for 32 years, okay? I haven't been involved in scandals and doing wicked things, living a righteous life by the grace of God, all by the grace of God. And our ministries, Good Fight, are just blowing up and, and seeing souls saved and so forth. It's, it's good to know you can be part of a ministry and sow into it and bear good fruit through that ministry. And the Bible talks about that those who give to ministries that are bearing fruit to God, that they also will be blessed in the return. It's a beautiful thing. Even in Nehemiah, those who watch the bags, it says we're blessed. 
Amen? We got all these different parts. Amen? I'm, I'm happy to uh, guard bags. And number nine, the fruit of soul winning. See, Mark's going back there to give right now. Man, praise God, Mark. <laughs> just kidding. Mark's a giver. And you know, just, and when somebody's talking about giving, people think of money. And praise God, money is needed. God uses that as a currency in the kingdom. But guess what? Time, treasure, and talent. Those are the three things that give our time. Children's church, give our time. Helping out with different ministries. Giving your time and witnessing the lost and helping the poor. Talent, the different gifts that God's given you. Uh, and, and treasure, the resources, amen? So number nine is the fruit of soul winning. The fruit of soul winning, okay? And when we look at the fruit of soul winning, listen to Proverbs eleven thirty. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who is wise wins souls. James 1.18 says, He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruit of all that he created. Wow. And in John 15, he talks about, Jesus talked about bearing fruit to his glory, and it's in the context also of winning souls to Christ. And you might even, you might say, well, man, I, I haven't won a lost person, but have you ever encouraged somebody who's backslidden to come back to Jesus? That's fruit. That's fruit of soul winning. Because James 5, 19, 20 says, brother, if any of you fall away from the truth or turn away from the truth and one converts him back, he'll save a soul from death and hide a multitude of sins. You're a soul winner if you reach out to the backslider. Amen? 10. 10, the fruit of eternal life. The fruit of eternal life. And we already talked about the fruit of the, the flesh, the rotten fruit of the flesh, and the fruit of the spirit. But right after that in chapter six, he says, if we, he says, do not be deceived, verses seven through nine. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. He that sows the flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But he that sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. And we shall reap if we continue, Amen. So continue trusting Jesus. The fruit that you get is not by your own doing. It's by his grace. But he calls you to have true faith and continue to trust Jesus. Amen? Amen. So praise God. Let's pass out the cup and the bread. Uh, I love you guys. And praise God that we can serve the Lord together. And this is a healthy church by the grace of God. Let's stand fast in his grace and remain healthy and bear more and more fruit to his glory. Amen? Amen. And let's get healthier. Okay? I'm speaking spiritually. <laughs>